0: Hello everyone, welcome to uh, Duel of the Takes and the Schlemcorp YouTube and the Duel of the Takes YouTube. Uh, Today we're joined by Schlemcorp, the creators of constellation quest hey everybody hey guys and uh also you know my co-host my best friend josh he's he's here too
1: hey 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 no way eamon's my best friend dude look at that look at us i ain't never seen two pairs of pretty best friends
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you're still not looking at it <laughs> You're listening to it. This is a double movie date.
1: Uh, two of us have seen this
0: movie far too many times. This is, this is going to be my third viewing of it, so that's exciting. This is going to be my first. Wait, you didn't watch it in the hotel room with Landon? No. <laughs> I awkwardly went home at 11. And said, have a good
1: trip, Landon.
2: Wait, do you have my SD card?
1: Yes. <laughs> Landon Landon just left it with you in
0: Pennsylvania. It's sitting on my dresser.
2: I told him, I'm like, hey, bring this back with you. Because I thought you guys were going to watch it and then like bring it back. That's like my only big SD card. What the heck, Landon?
0: Uh, Damn, I even looked at that SD card. I'm like, how long is this movie? This is a big file.
1: Yeah, it's huge. I don't think that Landon would have watched it because he had already seen it. So he probably just didn't watch it.
0: So if you guys want to watch Constellation Quest along with us, head on over to Schlemcorp. And uh, the, the whole movie is uploaded there. And start with us in three, two, one.
3: Yo, who has the
1: one dislike on this video already? Yeah, I was
0: just telling Eamon about that. I was like, yo, who the fuck disliked
1: this? Someone spiteful who wanted to be part of the movie.
3: <laughs> From Indie Shorts Film Festival. It might have. It might have been Chris Fluke. Hi, I'm Chris Fluke.
2: I love how it just says Chris Fluke three times in a row.
1: So this narrator is actually the voice of Indiana Public Radio. Ooh. One of the professors at Ball State uh, does all of the narration for IPR.
0: All icons from Indiana in this movie. I'm excited for the Pain Man in cameo. This is bullshit. I can see the strings. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, but seriously, we almost got uh, famed Survivor contestant Rupert Bonham to be in this movie.
1: <laughs> we're we're not even kidding. We were in talks with him and we were filming right before the pandemic and he didn't want to travel. Ah, mm. fair. He was like, yeah, I'll do it. He was going to be uh,
3: the main uh, villain that Adam actually plays, our buddy Adam. the uh, very star trek i like it well, what would you guys do for the on through the credits it's incredible oh, thank
4: you
2: it's all stock music we um our school had access to a bunch of like sound libraries and uh we i found this whole catalog of like science fiction sound effects and scores and stuff and this that that opening tune is a song called corridors of power by a british composer named alan morehouse and he wrote a lot of like library music like that and i was so lucky to stumble upon it yeah
3: it's incredible
1: eamon did create some custom score that goes before it when the narration starts to like lead yeah into when it. that
2: narration starts i wrote that i love the doors
4: <laughs> every the doors. single bit <laughs> with the doors is incredible
0: oh thank you so uh, in terms of cast, a uh, question I have for you guys is, is how familiar was everyone with, like, 60s Star Trek and, like, the sci-fi tropes you were poking fun at?
1: Quite a few people, yeah. Especially her. Yeah, Dr. Packard. Gwen, uh, w- when we reached out
2: to her, she's like, oh, my God, my dad and I just finished binge-watching all of the original Star Trek series. So, and I'm like, oh, well, then y- you know exactly what we're doing.
3: You're... So, yeah, she was on board from the very beginning. This is how I treat Craig, by the way.
1: <laughs> That's actually, that was my response when he, when he came on and say he was recording. <laughs> the Garrett Looker, the guy who plays Captain Miles Montague, is just a gem.
3: Yeah, he's so great. It's, it's... <laughs> Did you build the set from, like, the ground up? Basically. So, yeah, we bought lumber and
1: uh, we built the walls. <laughs> and then you printed off some things and stuck it <laughs> on the wall. <laughs> Look at this right here, Josh. You're going to love this. Yeah, this,
2: this, this part was rear projected.
1: So, yeah, we actually had a projector behind it doing rear projection just like they used to do in the 60s to get these kind of effects.
2: That screen was just a Walmart shower curtain that I stapled to the inside
1: of that window.
3: Mhm. Holy shit!
1: All of the like buttons and everything on this set have been gutted from ambulances at a junkyard. We we went to a junkyard
2: over a Christmas break and like went to like ambulances and RVs and buses and stuff and just gutted out like panels of buttons and switches and like the drive shaft and everything and it it was so much fun. A lot of like, oh, there's Eamon. There he is. Nice. A lot of those, like, red circular grills on the on the wall right there, those came from, like, lawnmowers, I'm pretty sure.
1: So, yeah, our buddy Austin is playing a uh, pilot Christophe Baguette, the one who is <laughs> speaking in the wonderful gibberish French.
0: I like that the French guy is also the pilot. <laughs> yeah, that was a little nod. That was a, a
4: little nice, nod. A nice little nod. <laughs>
1: Um, something, something that was fun though, is one of the original concepts for this film and why we started making it was we had a few bits that we wanted to make fun of from Star Trek. So like there's the moment that just happened where the captain walked around the entire ship without saying a single (laughs) word and everyone just sits in silence. Yes. That happened all the time in Star Trek. And there's a, a real fun part coming up. Um. Not soon, but it's thirty minutes, so semi soon, um, where all of the actors just stare at each other for a really long time while music is playing yes, which is one of my favorite things that star trek does
0: and they they continued doing it too like I was thinking, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was waiting for like the to be continued text to come up like in uh, uh, the next generation. that was like always the two parter thing
4: mm-hmm.
1: It was actually a um uh, we we added in some fake commercial breaks in this film or like where commercials would fit. And that yes. was a uh, after the fact kind of, um, we had filmed everything and we decided kind of while we were filming that we wanted to edit it that way.
0: Hey, Josh, this guy's wearing red. You think he's making it all the way through? <laughs> 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 Poor guy.
2: We,
1: uh... Poor unnamed officer.
2: I remember when I was showing this to my parents and like, They didn't get why, like, it faded to black and faded back up on the same scene. And I'm like, no, it's like a commercial break. You guys just... Yeah, how how would
0: they not know?
1: Well, I was actually thinking about that. My parents were also confused. And I think it's... Our parents are used to that, but they're used to actual commercials being in between. They don't normally watch stuff that previously had commercial breaks and no longer do. Yeah, yeah, So yeah, I think they were confused yeah. about that concept of, like, well, why wasn't there a commercial?
0: Well, when your channel gets monetized, I know exactly where you guys should place the ads.
2: <laughs> exactly. Well, we, we actually can't make money off this movie.
1: Because of the, the songs?
2: Well, the songs, and also, it's technically owned by Ball State University. Well,
1: yeah, that's true. Technically.
2: We, we own the IP. They own the film. It's a, it's a, it's a legal nightmare that we'll cross when we get
4: there. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I love the, uh, fake tracking effects that you guys used as well as the color as well. Uh, what, what kind of was your, uh, was your go-to effect for that?
2: Oh, for this like color here?
0: Yeah. For like the, uh, like the fake VHS, VHS, uh, tracking, it looks really consistent.
3: Oh,
2: thank you. Uh, I used a plugin from red giant that's like super VHS. And I, I apply it. They have like real like tape stock samples. And I just use th- this sample and this color. was made to emulate Betamax because that's what all the TV stations would archive their footage on. So like my, my idea was like this was shot in the sick. <laughs> my my idea when editing at least was like this was shot in the 60s. And then it was transferred to tape sometime in the 80s. And now it's being digitized. And now it looks like garbage.
0: You mean it looks Kino. It's, it's 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 pure key. kino. This is the uh, this is the David Lynch Dune part of the of
3: Constellation <laughs> <laughs> Quest. <laughs> There's the worm. There's the worm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, this is it. Was just so much fun. I've never had more fun on set. I've never had more stress on set. <laughs>
0: what was like the? I guess the funniest bit or funniest behind the scenes story you could think of.
1: Oh man, there, there's a, there's a lot of um, just slight improvs that slowly evolved and made it into the final script.
2: That that line that uh that Willie just did, where he's like, "Ain't you just the whole cherry tree?" There were so many different takes where he just said something completely different every time. He he's the, my favorite one, which I'm I'm sad we couldn't use, but he said like, "Ain't you just the cure for cholera?" <laughs> <laughs>
3: And the
1: <laughs> Oh, are you ready for the first commercial break? I sure am. Josh, it's a town for tiny people.
0: I was waiting for the Zoolander reference the first time I watched this.
1: Zoolander reference Constellation Quest. It <laughs> came out in nineteen sixty seven. This came mate. first.
3: <laughs> Snores in French. <laughs> <laughs> he goes <clears throat> wee wee wee. <laughs> this is one of my favorite lines we're far too large to investigate it there's something so simple about
1: that line that always makes me laugh slowly throughout this film the french pilot slowly gets more and more like unintelligible with his gibberish <laughs> there's one point where he just goes
3: no 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 no
1: but I like
0: how you guys never have too many, like, character breaks. Like, everyone's staying true. It feels, it feels perfectly executed in terms of tone.
1: That was one of my biggest things. Um, one of, I think one of the reasons that Eamon and I work so well together is we have a similar mindset, but we are like a checks and balances system for each other. Yeah. Uh, and um, Eamon is really good at coming up with amazing concepts and coming up with hilarious bits. And I think I'm really good at taking those bits and making sure that they stay consistent to like...
0: Oh, my favorite effect in the movie! <laughs> there it is. The rope just
2: being drawn around his arm.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just I just frame by frame hand painted it.
2: I, I was sitting there editing it. I'm like, because the way it worked was... Got, so, a bit of insight to how we worked on this movie. We were supposed to have a, a $10,000 Macintosh computer to edit this on and we ended up using my macbook that i've had since high school i love that
4: (laughs) and so so
2: we were we we had to edit it from home because of covid and so i was we a lot of the bulk of it was done on my computer and like nick was working on graphics on his computer and i was like hey nick can you can you draw the the his the lasso for me
1: (laughs) (laughs) and i said yes
2: and he just took it into photoshop and sent it to me i'm like this looks so ridiculous
1: josh check out this shot right here
2: this is my favorite shot <laughs>
0: um
1: but, oh, uh, yeah. everyone's
0: running a different speed too exactly <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> and you can hear them all breathing <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny
1: but we basically we, uh what i was saying is Amy and i are like a checks and balances so I I think I do a great job of hey, coming up. Oh, there's there's yeah. my cameo. Um I think I do a good job of like trying to stay consistent within the story that we have. So I would I would go through every joke and stuff that either Eamon and I had written and been like, does this break the facade of being from the sixties? Like we wanted to make sure that it was as convincing as possible.
0: Nick is the next stan, stan Lee. <laughs>
1: I was I was a, a script supervisor type thing, I guess. I would always like try to review the script and make sure. Oh, the Star Trek Rumble! There it is. <laughs> but yeah, I I wanted to make sure that there wasn't a single joke that broke the idea that it was from the sixties.
0: Where'd you get the idea for the uniforms? I think it's fucking hilarious that it's just cut around like a bib.
1: Yeah. That was definitely a
2: Nick idea. <laughs>
1: That that was a me idea. I don't know why I thought of it. I was just thinking of the kind of shape. And I was like, how do we get that shape? I don't want to paint it. And then I thought of a turtleneck dickey. And I was like, what if we took turtleneck dickies and put them on the outside of the shirts instead of the inside? and it it gives it gives the stupidest look but it also something about it looks really neat <laughs> like i just like wish your
0: guys' uh casting process because c- compared to most of the shorts i did in school this cast is way bigger than we were allowed to have
1: um oh, oh this... man uh it was way bigger than they wanted us to have
2: oh yeah we we so the way that that we uh Woo! <laughs> there he is <laughs> <laughs> the, the way that this film got made basically we like uh we had to pitch this to our department heads and we're like hey we this is uh, this is the biggest budget you've given any student film and it has a bunch of sets and special effects those are my parents that's my dad <laughs> they are.
0: oh good that answers my casting question <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: we, we basically just reached out to all of our friends and family like especially for the sent to people like my, uh we're like hey we're making a movie we want you to be in it and most, even most of the lead roles were people that we we reached out to or recommended to us. Like we didn't know we didn't know Garrett at all before filming this. Well, I knew him, but
1: I didn't know he acted.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like I'd seen him around, and then our um our uh, audio mixer Jordan was like, "Hey, this guy in my class, he's so funny. I think he'd be great for this part. He even picked it already." And then we met with him a
1: couple times. Like I think this is our guy. Here's Landon's. Uh- Landon bought bought himself a credited role with this improv. <laughs> <laughs> that was not in the script. Yeah, he didn't have a line. He just did it. We were like, okay, that's how you do it. Landon, the the attention whore he is, needed to get a line. Landon in wanted there. that union pay. <laughs> but Lieutenant Quisnar is actually um a, one of our acting teachers that Eamon and I had, and uh, we just asked him to be in it, and he said yes, and he loved it. That's awesome
2: that's also that that guy on the right you just put that's my older brother, and every every short that I've directed that wasn't b s u tonight um i've I've made a cameo
1: for him, so I'm like i want to make yeah,
2: that's
0: wholesome,
1: and then the like uh the guy on the left that just did the bad Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> 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 he, he is actually the creator or one of the creators of indie popcon, which is like a convention in Indianapolis wow and he's he's a buddy of mine i do i work for him i'm like his assistant at popcon and i know that he's a huge star trek fan so i just he drove up to muncie and he wanted to be part of it
0: that's great so what you're telling me is constellation quest is about family yeah
2: it's a family
4: (laughs)
1: film
2: the real constellation quest are the friends we made along the way
1: (laughs) (laughs) and this uh the old woman Zarsiel, um an amazing actress from indie um She's actually one of my sister's friends, and then I became friends with her through that. Um, and she's just a an a comedian, improv. Yeah, it's just, she's just fantastic in this Here's role. Here's
4: my
3: favorite bit. <laughs> <laughs> I love how
0: he's not doing a Shatner impersonation, too. Like, that would have been the yeah. easy route. Yeah, it, it's perfect. He's playing the same type of sleazeball, but he's not imitating. It's great.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, we, were, we were applauding him when he showed up to the table read, because we actually did a table read. <laughs> yeah, the,
0: the, so, <laughs> the repeated so, line.
1: <laughs> the, the idea of the meta is that the actor didn't realize that they were pausing for dramatic effect. So the actor was like, hey, why aren't you guys coming? That's like the <laughs> meta idea of it who knows if that reads because a lot of us writing the script was trying to do meta stuff like that and trying to figure out like well in the 60s would the actors have have realized that they were pausing for dramatic effect or you know all that stuff god that shot right that we just saw or this shot is uh... the worst shot we had to do that took us probably like just that shot of them walking in through the arches was probably five hours of editing.
3: Holy shit. <laughs> because we, we had to... That when they get shot, they freeze frame and their their body just turns gone. <laughs> and I saw a Facebook post: How much makeup on for this? <laughs> he role? said
1: fifteen pounds. He was joking, but he was in the makeup chair for a long time to make sure
3: that the purple was like dark enough to be seen on screen. Right. But yeah, Garrett does such such a great
1: voice with this gear because he's definitely like channeling Shatner, but he's not doing an impersonation, which is all we could hope for because another
3: meta story thing that we were thinking of is that um, the trying to capitalize on the success of Star Trek, Trek, but they weren't allowed to make, trying to make it as close as possible with as little budget as possible. Which is exactly the the aesthetic nail Yeah. so those are uh, uh horns and those are horns it was just something to, to aliens that have horns
4: <laughs> the
3: joke and uh no one on the ship knows he is because he's wearing It's like community theater when it's not your line. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. Well, the, the funny thing and the
1: reason I think that, um, not to like toot our own horn, but the reason I think this is so successful in what it's trying to do is we knew we wanted to make a sci-fi thing. And before we even were going to pitch it, we thought we were going to have to make it on our own budget. And we wanted to make something sci-fi, but we knew that we couldn't make something sci-fi and very good like high concept sci-fi because we just wouldn't be able to do it justice and we quickly kind of came up with the idea of like well what if we made something that was meant to be bad and intentional and that normally doesn't work unless there's a convincing enough story behind it which is why we have the beginning and ending with chris fluke where he explains the bit yes um and i think that it's so successful (laughs) there
0: it is 15 pounds of makeup later
1: also, this is the only ADR line in the whole thing where we this, this, the, this shot. Yeah, the
3: lips don't quite match up, which is really funny.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but we I think the
1: reason this is so successful is because everything that goes wrong on set just lends to the right. joke. Cuz you can never with student films especially, you can never have a perfect shoot because something will always go wrong. But the things that go wrong in this case just add to the joke and and make it look more authentic. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm so proud of it because it just came together better than I could have planned for.
3: (laughs) (laughs) How big was your crew? So was it your whole graduating class?
1: Huge crew, yeah. This was part of a class. Oh, there he is eating poutine. (laughs) But this was part of a class and basically we were allowed to choose and ask people that we wanted to be on crew and they would just sign up for the same class for the next semester. And then if we didn't have someone to fill a role, then um, the the department would just reach out to people and fill that role. So most of the cast and crew are people that we knew and that we trusted with the position, which is also nice because we didn't have to
3: worry about getting acclimated to new people. Oh, my favorite joke's coming up. The dwarves <laughs>
4: man.
1: <laughs> this was also something that I pitched when we were writing the script. We decided not to write it in the script, and then we filmed it and kept it, and then...
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Where the subtitles are in French. That's just particularly funny to me
3: for some reason. What were you saying, Amon? Oh, something about the crew, I think. Oh, so there were two other films
2: that were produced this semester as part of this class. And so, yeah, ours was the longest and had the biggest budget, and had the most people, and it was the one that finished first.
0: I love that for you guys. What a month, uh, like, what time span did you film this?
2: We started filming, like, second, like, the first weekend of February, and then finished, like, right before St. Patrick's Day.
1: Wow, well, it was like six days before our school went into lockdown and everyone had to go home. Yeah, wow.
2: We we, we only we only filmed on weekends.
1: Yeah, we only filmed on weekends. So yeah, t-
3: pay attention to this, Josh. <laughs> 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 The cartoon ricochet sound effects <laughs> This is my favorite episode of the Mandalorian. Oh my God, <laughs>
4: yes <laughs>
3: <laughs> His hand is smoking, but there there was an improv line
1: that actually um uh Garrett, the guy who's playing the captain, he improved it in our table read and we changed the script and put the line in there because it was so funny but um when willie says i can get you guys out of here you just have to follow my lead the line was but how their lasers could vaporize us (laughs) and uh garrett went but how their lasers could vaporize us me The emphasis on his self-preservation was so funny that we had to put it in. I
0: love
3: how, like, incompetent he is, too, and he's always hiding behind the doctor. It's it's perfect.
4: <laughs>
3: Top 10 anime deaths. Very long and drawn-out dying scream.
1: <laughs> so one thing that we did try to do is... um. It would have been very easy to say, like, oh, this was made in the 60s. Let's have the characters be misogynistic, because that's making fun of people in the 60s. And we did kind of include that with the captain, but we wanted to make sure that the... (laughs) But, yeah, we wanted to make sure that all the other
2: characters knew that it was bad and pointed it out.
1: Yeah, and, and still keep that 60s thing, because really when you think about it the only competent member of the crew is dr packard right she's the only one that gets anything done
2: my my, my brother pointed this out to me we're like kind of like the the main like thesis of this show is that like it's a, it's a show about people who are bad at their jobs and the show is made by people who are bad at their jobs
1: Mm, yeah the, me- the meta show,
2: yeah.
0: Yes, yes, not you
2: guys, but the
0: yeah, theoretical well, of filmmakers course. of Constellation Quest.
2: <laughs> but, but that's, that's kind of like, that, like the driving theme, I guess, of, of the show.
1: And this is actually, this is my favorite sequence of the movie right here. Because it is a legitimate dramatic monologue that doesn't have any jokes. And it's the part that feels most like Captain Kirk. Yeah. And I really liked that all of a sudden, towards the end of the, the film... It's like, oh, we have a real, like, deep moment a, a,
3: a, a, an alleviation from the jokes, I guess. And Garrett delivered it so beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and then we, of course, we had to take that monologue and interrupt it.
0: <laughs> yeah, how'd you guys do the the mat here? Uh, who 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 did the art?
2: Oh, the the background. Yeah, yeah. Um, those were just some like some stock photos that I bought of or found for free somewhere of just like of desert landscapes, and I like photoshopped them together and made the sky orange. Oh, it looks dope. I love it.
1: And I'm glad you actually say that, Nate, because one of the biggest things that I wanted is to make sure that parts of it at least look like matte paintings. It
0: does look like a matte painting, at least with the tracking over it and whatnot.
1: Which I'm glad you I'm glad you say that. Because, yeah, that was that was a big thing for me. I was like, we can't have this desert planet look like it was green screened because it is green screened and we can't get
3: away from that fact. But I wanted to make it look as not green screened as possible, and this was actually a last minute thing too. The the end, nice. And the copyright down there. The doors, man. The (laughs) doors. He he was watching the whole thing with his neck craned to the side. (laughs)
1: So when's Two in the Bush coming out? That actually was a sketch I made for BSU Tonight, my freshman year. Wow. Yeah. So we just kind of put it. And then look at look at how he just like (laughs) (laughs) That's me as soon as we're done recording dual takes
0: (laughs) every week. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Um, but yeah, Two in the Bush was a sketch I made freshman year. And when we were finishing up the script, I was like, we need to say like tune in next week for such and such. And I don't remember if it was Amen that suggested. There it it is.
2: Lemon milk font, my favorite. I'm pretty sure I I put in the two in the bush reference.
1: Yeah, but it was just like, to me, that's a really nice reference because Eamon and I started working together a little bit before we went to college. But that was like around the time where we became partners, basically. And now it culminates in this film after four years.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And you guys aren't going
0: to stop collaborating. You got a
2: whole channel now dedicated to your future endeavors.
3: Yeah, we got a couple. We we got a couple (laughs) channels.
2: which we'll talk about once they're official. But
1: but we got the the Corp channel is the main one right here, which is where Constellation Quest is posted. Um we also have a merch store that launched at the same day. As of recording this, um this film launched a little under 7 hours ago. Yes. So, um it's very very new for everybody while we're recording this. By the time the episode comes out, it'll be a while. Um but yeah, we launched a merch store, and we're just trying to to make stuff and figure out new ways to create content, which is fun. And we have, uh, yeah, we have things coming along—spiritual successors to our BSU tonight sketch comedy days, and and things like that coming 2021. So be on the lookout. The future seems bright. Hopefully,
2: yeah. <laughs> so far, so good.
1: I just love, I love the shots in the background where we took the filter off of them. Yeah. This is the yeah. only part where once Timeless Television Treasures with Chris Fluke is over, we just kind of break the facade. Yeah, yeah. But we also kept the credits in a traditional, like, 60s style. Mm-hmm. And there it is, Slim Corp. Oh, yeah. That
3: was a nice logo. It is. It's
1: very crisp. Slim Corp also started as a bit in BSU Tonight. Um I had a recurring gag in one of the episodes where our show had lost money, so to like counteract that, um, they hired somebody to just start having ads in the middle of the show, and it would interrupt sketches, like pre-existing sketches. So I wrote a bunch of fake sketches that could be interrupted. Um, so like a character comes on and starts being interviewed and then it just, the camera cuts away and someone's like, Hey everybody, it's me, Donda Oily back with more slim court products. Um, and when, when making this and editing this film, Amon and I were like, I kind of just want to have a company. Like it was while we were editing in this two month span of time. Uh, we kind of decided that we wanted to have our own production company, and we were coming up with names, coming up with names, and then we thought of Schlem Corp, and it was like, well, that's just the perfect homage to um, like, yeah. this made-up yeah. company, and that's fun. So that's actually um, I reworked that logo, but that is the same logo. It wasn't originally oh. Lemon Milk. Yeah, it wasn't originally Lemon Milk font, but it was something that looked similar. Um, but that's the same uh, same logo that was used in BAC tonight. What did-
2: Where did you get that logo? Did you make that yourself or did you kind of?
1: Yeah. So I found a generic logo online. I typed in generic company logo and I found something that was free to use. That was very similar. And I traced, I traced over it. I changed the colors and I repositioned parts of it. And then I was like, there you go. Slim, it's Slim Slim Corp. And then I made the font myself, but yeah. And then I, I, I just kind of like how we've repurposed all these bits. It was really fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love how you guys have like your own like canon. Like it all it all comes full circle. Everything's a reference to something else. It's it's perfect.
1: The SCCU. The Corp cinematic universe. It's like poetry. I well, something else that's fun, um, as a little aside for people, some people may be aware of like the Nicky Nick music videos, which was like parody music videos that I made. Nicky Nick started as a fake sketch for Schlemcorp to interrupt. Yeah. So we made 30 seconds of a song and we put it on the episode and then the song just stops. And the advertiser guy is there and he's like, Hey everybody, welcome back to Schlemcorp. I'm here to give you another product. And we never go back to the song.
2: But then a bunch of people were like, where's the full song?
1: (laughs) People were watching the episode and they were like, we didn't even get to hear the whole song. Will we hear it next episode? And I was like, uh we didn't do it like the whole joke was that i was getting interrupted <laughs> we took that 30 second sample um that we made and we went into the studio and we created a beat <laughs> we were like i guess we're obligated to have a song now and then it spawned a sequel which so that's a everything stems from slim the second song noodle rich won an award for best music video at our school's uh film festival <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> and it beat out a bunch of actual music videos that and we were making fun of those types of music videos which is what i really enjoyed noodle Rich is is a bop (laughs)
0: thank you well we are the generation of irony so it only makes sense it
1: it only makes sense
2: before i hopped on this call about an hour or two ago i was i I was watching tv with my parents and they put on young sheldon (laughs) i had never seen a full episode of young sheldon before and i feel like I feel like I must have looked like an asshole because I like I was just explaining my frustration with this show.
0: Yeah, my parents watch that show weekly, and I can't. I can't.
2: <laughs> I, can't.
0: <laughs> I couldn't with Big Bang Theory. I definitely can't with Young Shell. <laughs>
2: to be fair, like I I understand the appeal to boomers of like, you've been at work all day. You're mentally exhausted. You just kind of want to watch something dumb and turn your brain off and be told when to laugh. Like, I get it. But I can't stand that
1: shit. This episode will now be episode one commentary track of a Young Sheldon. We're doing a two-parter.
2: <laughs> Stay tuned for next week's episode of the Young Sheldon podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like those, uh, those podcasts where it's like
0: the washed-up cast of a show, like going episode by episode. Uh, I'm not calling out a specific office uh, office ladies podcast, if you will, or Talking Sopranos
2: an oral history of constellation quest
1: and it's just one episode
2: to be fair though that might be a fun like one-off podcast where we like pretend to talk about the production of constellation quest
1: that would be fun it would have to be very heavily scripted
2: (laughs) oh absolutely we have to we get a bunch of old people to be like hi i'm uh, so-and-so, and I played, uh, I played Miles Montague.
1: Eventually, we'd like to make more episodes of this show, but there is an episode that we can't make, so I will tell you about it now. <laughs> It'll be too hard to make, and we wouldn't be able to make it with the cast we want either, but we had an idea uh, after making a full season of the show. We have the host of Timeless Television Treasures come out and say, well, you guys reacted to this found footage so much that the studio heads have decided to reboot the show for a one time only <laughs> so we are bringing back the original cast of 1967's constellation quest to do a new episode so basically we just wanted to cast a bunch of old celebrities as the roles we wanted ted danson to be captain miles montague rest in peace carl reiner as Quizno note Tolesto. <laughs> steve martin is Christoph baguette my favorite one is we wanted uh shelly long as k-8 nice it was just such a such a strange casting <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, it, it would have been really fun there's no way we'd ever be able to make that episode we have like eight or eight to ten uh other episodes planned if we ever get the chance to make them
0: constellation quest the next next generation the greatest generation
2: i would love to make a Constellation Quest motion picture. We
1: do have some ideas for a Constellation Quest motion picture as well. You gotta dream big and let your let your hopes die in a, in a small fizzle, you know?
0: And then there's a uh, 2000s reboot movie.
1: BB-8 drums. <laughs> yeah, but he leaves for the second one and someone else comes in and directs it and then people don't like that one so he comes back and directs the third one.
2: And then disappoints
0: everybody. Yeah. <laughs> the second one's a remake of an older uh, Constellation Quest movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Kate is actually a ball instead of a square this time.
0: I had a I had a Halloween costume one year
1: that looked like K8. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I went trick or treating as a box. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was like, "Oh, are you supposed to be a robot?" It was like a lawnmower box, and I was like, you know, three foot eight or whatever, as a as a second grader, and I was like, "No, no, I'm I'm a box,"
1: and they're like, "Okay, <laughs> that's so funny." Well, that's the best costume and I've ever seen. Then, <laughs> I mean, it had armholes,
0: so it was a very weird looking box. Yeah,
1: when when we were uh, trying to come up with the idea for for Kate, um, we knew we wanted to have a robot and i wanted it to be not data from next generation um and i was like well what's like just a shitty data and we were like well what if we just put them in the biggest box we can find that is really uncomfortable to move around in man our actress abby is a saint for uh going around in that we had to start putting padding under her shoulders um in between the box and her shoulders because it would just dig into her neck and (laughs) yeah yeah not comfortable (laughs) she had to do her makeup and then we all had to like lift the box around her we actually had to cut out a part of the neck hole just for her nose otherwise it would wipe the makeup off nice
2: the night before we started shooting
1: was absolute hell we finished painting the set two hours before our call time damn wow but you know that's just kind of the way we do things that's that's show business producers that are listening out there if you want someone to finish their set two hours before call time we're your guys well i mean you guys had a lot
0: of creative control over this project i mean more so than even other like student too much
2: (laughs) (laughs) i mean you said it not me (laughs) okay but in all honesty like our professors like have really loved this film and they will never let anything like this be made <laughs>
1: ever again. Well, it's interesting. I think that in a way, that's true and false. It's true and false. That nothing like this will ever be made again. But I think it has legitimately, for the for the program that we made this in, which was kind of a, a relatively new program, the teachers are supervisors and the students are just 100% on their own making this movie. We kind of showed them that you can do new things. Because they had never had a comedy before in this program. Yikes. And they had never had a 30-minute film. Uh, they approved our project when we only had 12 pages of the script finished. Oh, my
2: gosh. It was kind of... Uh, concept art, too. Like, we had a friend of ours, like, make, make like,
1: storyboards and, like... I think that this film was the film that, that they were most worried about. But I think they were confident in us being able to pull it off, which is the interesting takeaway i guess people i feel like are scared to do whatever they want to do for student films and they try to like i'll just do something that takes place in a house because i have a house you know right but yeah we got three thousand dollars to make this and we only used 1500 and just gave them the rest of the money back like here you go we only used half your budget enjoy and it was it was really cool because um one of our Uh, professors who was in charge of the project we were utilizing studios that students don't normally get to use and i had to convince the studio heads like hey we're oh yeah a short film was filmed on this green screen even though the students don't use it um and in doing that we had to have our professor on set and he had never been on set for a film before because it was against his yeah chris fluke he was um but we assured him he was constantly coming up to us and not Every once in a while, he'd say like, hey, what if you did this? But it wasn't from a professor standpoint. It was like he was just really excited to happen and us pull. Oh, I like this. Can you put what if you had the light shining through here? And it was it was it was really fun seeing him interact in that way, because I think he got to see what this program he started kind of like what it was doing when he wasn't around. Gave him confidence that the program was a good program well, that's awesome that sounds like a way better experience than i had working
0: on my final uh, film project. <laughs> the the true last one i did shout outs to nicholas alexander was incredible the actual final projects of our program let's just say i did a lot of heavy lifting <laughs> it's about you
2: <laughs> we put chris fluke through the ringer a little bit though
0: <laughs> yeah we did
2: all of our footage was on a hard drive that was in the computer lab and nick and i both fucked up and forgot to take it home before the building before this whole school completely locked down Bruh. and i was calling chris fluke i'm like hey is there any way you can get me into the building so i can get the hard drive was like no i'm really sorry i can't um i don't want to get you guys in trouble um the old, i might be able to get you guys in like in like may And you can edit the film over the summer but there's not much i can do and then i was like i'm not taking no for an answer so because and and he's like all like they took away swipe access to almost every student like there's not much i can do so i went over there and i realized i still had swipe access into the building because for my job i had to be able to go in and pull files from from the server so i swiped into the building and once i was in the building i'm like hey chris I'm in the Letterman building. Uh, can you c- come let me into Studio E? And he's like, "Don't go anywhere. Don't touch or breathe on anything. Get the hard drive and leave."
1: Yeah, he's he is a, a a saint. Like he he was just such a a wonderful person to to have in your corner when making something like this he was just there to to kind of do whatever but something fun when we were trying to come up with um crew for it and we could just add we could ask anybody and then they'd fill the spots otherwise Eamon and I both wrote the film and we were talking about like he was like okay we need a director and producer and Eamon and I just kind of looked at each other and I was like well we're gonna both do both but Eamon will be the director and I'll be the producer. Um, And that was just kind of like where we naturally lean anyway because we've made a lot of videos together and oftentimes Eamon is the one that's telling people where to go and I'm the one that's like finding locations and stuff like that. So we're like, well, we both do it, but these are our strengths. So after we already explained to Fluke, yeah, we both wrote it. We're both going to direct. We're both going to produce. We said, could we also edit it? And he just looked at us like, I guess you can, like if, if you want to. And I was like, well, honestly, I don't know who else could edit it. It would it would take longer and be more of an effort for us to explain to someone what we wanted. Right.
2: It's not that I don't trust anybody else to edit it, but I, I would feel so bad for somebody who like doesn't know our process yeah and doesn't know our you know the way that we go about things trying to piece this thing together (laughs) i feel so bad for them
1: yeah and it's just interesting because the film is so specific and one thing that i realized a long time ago um especially when it came to just making sketches for bsu tonight um if i wrote a sketch i wouldn't care if i was on set for it but if i wrote it. I would want to either edit it or be in contact with the person who's editing it when you write a script, anything can happen on set that can change what's written or vary from what is written, but editing is kind of the final revision, and you can do your best to try to make it that vision that you had originally written. Mm-hmm. Not only would it be not only would we feel bad for whoever was editing this um I knew that if it wasn't us editing it, it would have been us. Going well. That's not quite what it looks like. That or you can see this, and that's not '60s. That doesn't look like it's from the '60s. And like it's it was so specific that it would just be us micromanaging whoever was editing.
0: How was it working with like a a DP and a camera crew though? Because like I I imagine a lot of your guys's uh, sketches and stuff were probably like you know single camera. You don't really need like you know three guys on the camera kind of thing. I love the way it looks. So like lighting and camera work was incredible. I love the shots that you have and the slow zoom ins and everything like that just perfect 60s aesthetic
1: thank you we uh
2: we actually every every take we did there were two cameras running so like so we were getting like double the coverage every time and that's part of the reason we finished like we got we finished shooting so early it's because we were able to get double the coverage with everything yeah it was it was a bit difficult we you know i don't want to throw many people under the bus but like
1: we had some crew personnel switch around um we
2: yeah we, we ended up with uh this one director of photography who like he got bumped up because there was another you know a mix up and so he kind of like stepped in part way through the production and was like all, and the the very next day it came with storyboards and ideas for stuff and like he cl-
1: and screenshots from star trek that he was like i kind of thought it would look like this like he he went and watched star trek and took screenshots he did his research
2: so like RDP Andre just kind of clicked right away. Awesome. It was, it was a bit difficult because Nick and I are used to like doing a lot of effects and we're used to shooting on green screens and Andre was not. He was, yeah, you know, I could definitely tell like,
1: because you know, everything except, although he was apprehensive about, about like green screen stuff, he just trusted us that we knew, Like, we knew how it was going to come together, and if there was something that was going to be an issue, we would have let him know. It was, it's very different from anything, because he's been a DP a lot of times, and a director a lot of times. It's often not comedy in this way, like, not farcical, satirical. I don't know, it was just, it was really nice having this kind of fresh set of eyes who was trying his best to understand the twisted minds that came up with this. Speaking of people who got it right away, our fucking um, AD, man, Logan. Yeah, Logan was a godsend. He was actually someone. So the the interesting thing is that Logan and Andre were two people that this, the like faculty filled. It wasn't people that we had in mind. And so our AD and our DP were two people that we didn't know. Whereas like, our gaffer, our makeup artist, our audio people, they, they were all people we knew. And um, we just we lucked out with some of the best crew I've ever worked with.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I can could just see things getting like sour and kind of like confusing in that in that communication effort because like just with with the aesthetic and the production and everything like that, people could like hop on the set and be like, "What the fuck am I doing with my life?" But the fact that you were able to get people you had never met before on board is just a, a testament to your guys's uh you know your guys's vision and and storytelling. I I love Constellation Quest. You guys knocked it out of the park. Uh, I'm you. happy that people Thank can you watch so it.
1: much, man. Yes, yeah. I'm happy that people can watch it too. Josh, what's your
3: takeaway from this, dude?
0: <laughs> that's josh's takeaway from constellation quest i didn't wait i didn't hear i didn't hear what nick said <laughs> he pulled an alden <laughs>
4: <Radio> <laughs> Science,
0: i love it no i loved it i i think it was like an awesome like uh it's interesting because like star trek isn't like a major thing in our culture right now but the parody of star trek is if that makes sense like the Orville was a popular show in that but like you guys like took it to like a whole different level where like you went all out for it and like there was just so much effort put into it. Like I, I loved it.
2: Thank you. Thank
1: you so much. That means a lot. I'm glad you boys uh liked it. I hope that uh, someday in the future we can get you boys involved with something. Yes, please. Because I would love to make something with you guys. Uh,
0: actually, I I wanted to kind of like pitch an idea for you if you wanted to return to the constellation quest thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh sure. So, I was thinking you do the story behind Constellation Quest as, like, the follow-up to this. The people that are making it that are equally incompetent, but it's, a, it's like a mockumentary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Set in the 60s.
1: That would be fun.
0: So, kind of like an Ed Wood type That would be fun. I love that. Like, Ed Wood meets, like, I, I don't know, mockumentary, uh, this is Spinal Tap type, like, delivery of the, the making of this. You guys, sh- like, like like market it as the behind the scenes for your movie.
2: Have you ever seen you ever seen Documentary Now?
0: Yes. Yeah, I love Documentary Now.
2: I fucking love that show. It reminds me, I forget the name of it, but the one where, like, John Mulaney is, like, the musical director.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, the name of the musical is really long. That's all I remember.
2: It's so good.
1: Um, But yeah, Documentary Now was inspiration for the Timeless Television Treasures aspect of our show. Like having this explanation of the bit. Yeah, right. <laughs> we had originally written it without that explanation. And I was like, I don't think people will get it. Right. right. Some people will get it immediately. Other people will be sitting through the first two minutes and then clicking off because they don't understand what's happening.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, the framing device sells it for me.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad that it does. I, I think that that was like, that was something I found really important with, with, with coming up with this idea. I want to play the parody
0: version of the J.J. Abrams who directs the reboot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Landon is the only returning cast member. <laughs> A mix of like J.J. Abrams and Zack Snyder. The Cubis cut. Release the Cubist cut. But yeah. Thank you guys so much for, uh, for joining us for this director's commentary track
0: i loved being a part of it i uh can't wait to share this with everyone and yeah i hope it it does well for you guys uh in terms of like projections what do you think's next for for corp can you give us a little taste of the kool-aid or is that still uh still off the table
2: well i'll give you a little bit of insight uh we're not doing anything nearly as big as Constellation Quest for a while.
0: Yeah, it's hard in these trying times to do something to, that matches the scope of a full studio production.
2: But we we do have um, a, a a web series uh, lined up that we're going to talk more about uh, come January. So be on the lookout for the Slum Corp channel. Um, we got some big things coming in 2021 and... Uh, yeah, it's stuff that I'm really excited for. Kind of get back to uh get back to basics a little bit for me and Nick and uh try and make try we're we're just trying to make comedy in an age where it, it feels fucking impossible. You know? Yes.
0: Especially what you guys do, sketch comedy. Oh yeah. It's so dead right now. I haven't been able to watch SNL in years.
2: Part of the problem for me is like um I feel like sketch comedy is the way that more and more people are gonna go and it's only gonna get better. I think we're gonna we're, because um, you know, comedy clubs are on life support right now. Nobody wants to go out and see stand up right now. You know, and I love stand up. I don't want to see it go. And you know, you got people doing like the drive in tours and everything. But I, I think more and more people are gonna turn and doing sketch. And for me at least, like this is our outlet. We're like, you know, uh we can't go out and do life, you know, live shows. We can't get out and do stand up or improv. So we got to gotta do it somehow.
0: But I notice when it comes to like sketch comedy parody type, the best ones always seem to be the ones that don't care if it's like topical or not. They just have a really cool idea. Yeah,
1: that's that's something that I've uh, I, I've kind of always leaned towards when it turns to sketch comedy. I like to to make things that are really absurd, but I like to take the absurdity like I want the concept to be relatable and then take the absurdity to a point that no one can relate to it um because in a way that makes it timeless i, I don't i don't i don't know how to explain it quite but you know what i mean
2: but like the, you know there's a reason why the three stooges and charlie chaplin and buster keaton and like even like the, you know the marx brothers are still funny and it's because so much of their material isn't tied to a specific event or a specific time period like you know it's just we got we got these three guys and they're idiots and they're plumbers we got this guy with a funny mustache and now he's roller skating in a mall like you know it's just simple setups that anybody can just get instantly.
1: That's why, like, uh, w- one of my favorite sketches I ever did is called Reggie's Reliable Rug Depot.
2: Yes, I was actually just about to bring that up as
0: I was thinking of timeless humor, and I'm like, I don't think there'll ever be a time where that's not funny. <laughs>
4: well, thank you.
0: It's kind of like the the Tim and Eric like brand of humor, mm-hmm. but it, it's not reliant on that, like, uh, you know. Early nine or late nineties, early two thousands, like cable ad uh, humor. Nate and I showed so many people that skit in college. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, that was one of those things where um, I wrote it uh, over the summer, and I just sent Eamon a script that said, "Hey, do you want to read the worst script I've ever written?" I, I
2: was in New York. I was visiting my great aunt and stuff. I'm like, "Uh, sure." Just lay it on me.
1: And the reason that I like it so much is it uses this like commercial as a as an avenue to tell the jokes but the jokes aren't all reliant on the fact that it's a commercial and i just try to keep like subverting the expectations and I, that's something i realize that's a trend in my my sketches and things like that where i take something that is not a very funny joke and i pummel it into the ground until flowers start to grow out of it <laughs> <laughs> like I, I just will keep destroying this joke until it becomes something that that people can find humor in.
0: Yeah, out of curiosity, how many like uh when doing a like a little sketch or something of that length, you know, something like five minutes or so or less even, uh how many drafts, how many like iterations do you have to go through of that idea until, one. until it, it works for you?
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we mostly no, it, it, it is sometimes one because a lot of these sketches start from like me and Amon sitting on our couch and just laughing for three hours, <laughs> and then until we finally said something stupid enough that we're like, "That's a sketch." <laughs> right.
2: We, we did a show where like we had to make an episode every two weeks. Sometimes, you, you, God, there was—I'm not proud of this—but <laughs> there were so many times on, on like on uh, PSU tonight where I would like be sitting in the writers meeting finishing my script
1: as it's going around the circle to get to him
2: <laughs> as 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 they're going around the circle and everybody's pitching their shit i'm finishing my script and i i, I don't do that anymore but like i did that a couple times <laughs> realistically it's maybe two or three drafts like the first draft get all the ideas out on paper and the second and third is just clean it up and make it tighter
1: you know but most of the time those second or third drafts come after we've pitched it to the writer's room a lot of times i write a script out kind of stream of consciousness where i don't really go back to edit something i just start writing i end something every once in a while i might go back and add a bit to make the second bit funnier um but then i just export it without reading it and put it in the in in the uh drive for everyone to read and then i'm reading it for the first time with everyone in the writer's room which Every once in a while ended up really funny with a lot of BSU Tonight sketches because sometimes I would be reading a script that I wrote and didn't look at for two months.
0: (laughs) There's one sketch that I showed my friend and it had him like literally howling in laughter. Um, Was it the Squidward one? No, it was the that one's great, too. It was a BSU Tonight sketch. It was a Christmas one. Nick started it and it was like, I forget what it was called.
1: You know that actor?
4: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that one's great. I, I was just thinking about you know that actor and I was like, how do I explain this to a podcast that no one has seen it before? It's like the one sketch where it's like just just watch it. <laughs> I, I guess the log line is it's two uh unrealistic characters um that are just asking each other if they know of a certain actor and then explaining a movie that they're in. But then one of the guys gets it wrong, and it turns, like, really dark and ruins their relationship because he mixes two actors together. (laughs) And his pregnant daughter gets on the street. I'm not even joking. I did not read that once. I wrote it and submitted it.
2: (laughs) That was the most inside joke, and we somehow made it into a sketch that people, like, no matter what, like, it literally started Nick and our buddy Mark, who was Willie in Constellation Quest. Uh, the three of us uh, were uh, on the crew for Shrek the Musical at Ball State, and Nick and Mark just started doing this bit to pass the time, where they would ask, they would ask each other, hey, you're not a Dr. Eddie Murphy, and, like, they just did it for hours and hours and hours. And then they introduced the bit to me and everybody on my side of the stage. And soon enough, like, too many people were doing it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then and too many people who... It, it, it like, very quickly became something where the people on the crew for that Shrek musical uh, started doing it in ways that weren't the joke. Like, they, it wasn't funny. They had normalized it immediately. Because it was so niche that they didn't realize they were normalizing it.
0: <laughs> so when we were doing the cats commentary uh, a little less than a month ago, you kept bringing up Sasha Baron Cohen, and I know you've got um, a couple of inspirations. I, I want to hear like who you guys look up to in that kind of uh, comedy field.
2: My hero when I was a kid, like like really like was Weird Al Yankovic. Absolutely. Like I like I listened to Weird Al all the time. And like I it was definitely one of the first times I ever like encountered comedy as a form of entertainment. And I've always been like, I want to do that. But uh, in terms of film, I saw Spaceballs at a really young age. And uh, I just kind of fell in love with the idea, with the idea of satire and the idea of, you know, of comedy. And especially like in that. Yeah, for me, at least those are two very early inspirations for me. So Weird Al and Mel Brooks. (laughs) You ever see Weird Al live? I have. Oh, my God.
0: So fun. When he busts out the accordion, like, shit gets real. <laughs> I wish I'd seen Weird Al live. He'll go on tour again. He always does.
2: He will eventually. Much more recent inspiration. Like now, like, I am trying to, like, you know, try and pursue comedy professionally and write, uh, uh, Auntie... I, I'm sure you guys probably heard of, like, Auntie Donna by this point now. Uh, our friend Mark, uh, turned us on to them about two or three... Willie Shaker. Turned us on to them about two or three years ago. And, oh, my... Like, I... I adore them and i love that you know most of their sketches and especially stuff like that you know people like tim robinson with i think you should leave uh, was a game changer
1: i could i could do a whole podcast on one single sketch from i think you should leave with tim robinson modern influences tim robinson changed the way that i do comedy uh, as soon as i watched that show i have seen that show For those who don't know, it's a Netflix comedy show, and each episode is like 18 to 20 minutes long, and there are six episodes, so it's around the length of a movie. You can watch it all in one sitting. I have watched all six episodes in one sitting about, I'm going to guess like 22 times, and I have watched individual sketches and episodes a lot more than that. It really kind of changed my mind on what you can do with comedy. And I realized that,
0: yeah, that's around the time I watched like Ratatouille in one sitting, probably 22 times.
1: Well, you, you love Ratatouille and you love princess and the frog. Don't you?
0: There it is.
2: The rat of all your dreams, isn't he?
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I think you should leave. It was, I kind of just finally, for the first time, like saw a guy who was doing the type of thing I was doing and was doing it better than me. And I was like, Oh, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. Like, what this this guy's style of comedy yeah
0: i had a very similar coming uh coming to senses in that with uh nathan for you with with nathan fielder's uh brand of comedy oh yeah oh yeah because that had been my whole brand as well in terms of humor We had this terrible, terrible class that Josh can relate to called (laughs) V.E.M. And so I was like, well, what we want to do is release a rap album because it was right after O.J. Simpson had been released from prison. Uh (laughs) Of course. (laughs) And we want to do a rap album with, uh, you know, Trey Parker and Matt Stone writing and O.J. Simpson performing. (laughs) And we pitched this deadpan like it was a straight like it was like a serious idea. I didn't have class that day and I came to class just to watch the O.J. pitch. (laughs) yeah and the teachers and like the panel of judges were just shook (laughs) and they didn't understand that i had actually got my whole group on board to deliver this series then it it went full circle because at the end of the year we had to do similar pitch but it was for a television series Mm -hmm. and i wanted to do this this show called lost in google translation which i wrote the entire season of where it's a hidden camera sketch show with a van of people translating to a guy with an earpiece in different countries, just using Google Translate, no one knows how to speak the language or knows the culture. Oh my god! <laughs> it was the same panel of judges, and they just knew that that was my style. So uh, yeah, I had that same kind of uh, realization that you did finding someone else's humor. And they were like, this is a thing like <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, that's such a great feeling, honestly. Yeah, and it really is when i was younger the type of things that would influence me like i was way too young to watch these movies but i saw like the blues brothers monty python on the holy grail the three amigos blazing saddles and i was i mean i probably watched those when i was like six and i shouldn't have
0: i think i watched blues brothers around that time as well was that r-rated yeah it is josh that was my first r-rated movie we were talking about that the other day and i couldn't it was definitely Blues Brothers. I was probably seven or eight. Interesting. It might have been mine, too. <laughs> it needs to be everybody's. <laughs> I'm going to show my kid that movie when he's four, damn it.
1: I will I will be playing that movie on loop until my kid tells me to stop, just so I know he's seen it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, movies like that kind of inspired me, and I've always grown up. Um, there's a a national, nationally syndicated radio show um, located in Indianapolis called The Bob and Tom Show.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love Bob
1: and Tom. My dad uh, used to be on the Bob and Tom show as like a uh, correspondent every once in a while. He would do uh, jokes about bass players. He would host bass talk. My birth was announced on the show because I was born the day before. I kind of grew up around them and I, I have been in bits of theirs and uh, grew up listening to them and I even was on air telling jokes when I was a kid. And now I work for them, which is awesome. So I think that, that is kind of a nice little full circle for me because i grew up listening to this comedy radio show and i think that influenced me a lot in terms of how i do comedy with other people and like the collaborative nature of it
2: at least like a filmmaking inspiration for me uh was uh i don't know if y'all are familiar with the work of james rolf yeah yeah the angry Vi- i i watched a lot of like angry video game nerd as a kid but like one thing I loved specifically was, like, I would go through his channel and find, like, the short films that this guy made.
0: Yeah, The Dead of the Better is my favorite one.
2: Dead of the Better is really good. And I just loved, like, his attitude of, like, I'm going to make uh, what I want. Like, I want to make just low-budget horror movies and, like, kind of comedies and shit like that. And I'm going to do it on my own time on my own budget. And I just really respect the guy's hustle. And I'm like, man, like, that's, I, I don't know. I, I always kind of related to that that side of his his work i guess i love like low budget shit where you can tell people like poured a lot of like effort into it you
0: know it's a great documentary and we talked about it on missing link rest in peace is when we watched that um raiders of the lost ark documentary where those kids were remaking the movie
2: i've seen bits of that
0: yeah like that's a great documentary also where it's just you see um so much effort play out, and it's just very wholesome that these group of friends like got together and finished it.
2: Are you guys familiar with the the film studio Wakaliwood?
0: Yes, yes. Yeah, like, who killed Captain Alex?
2: Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, I love Wakaliwood movies so much.
0: They got like a video what they call a uh, like a DJ, a video jockey, and he's just
2: like commentating over the movie, and it's not like a commentary track. <laughs> It's, it's such an interesting thing to me because like VJs, like like that's a whole cinema culture that we never knew until Wakali well, would introduced it to us because over in Uganda, they would get a bunch of American movies or foreign, you know, foreign films and, you know, they could subtitle them, but a good chunk of the population can't read. So they have people, tra- you know, people who can speak English translate the movie live in the cinema, and then just the whole VJ thing was born out of that. Like, I, I just, I love, I love that.
1: And it evolved into a weirder version of that, where they stopped translating and just started commentating.
2: The movie is on. <laughs> movie movie movie
1: this is actually something that avon and i talked about and i think that we need to um
2: well we could totally do this think like, if i know where you're going with this
1: but we we thought about just submitting constellation quest to the wakaliwood people and just trying to get a, a video jockey to do a commentary over it
2: we gotta get VG- we, we need vj emmy man
1: yeah we want vj emmy to just
0: commentate over constellation quest you definitely should make that happen. That would be awesome. All right, I got a, a final question to close us out on. Uh Nick, I saw you just recently watched the movie and gave it a 4 stars, uh Captain Phillips. Oh yeah.
1: Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, why? <laughs> uh I wasn't paying too much attention to it, but it was fun. <laughs> All right. Well, you heard it here
0: first, folks. Four stars. I wasn't paying that much attention to it, but it was good. Can you write that in the review under your four star review? (laughs) Yeah,
1: I'll add add the review right now. It was on TV and I was kind of watching it and I was like, you know, this seems like a movie that's tense and earned its tenseness. Yeah, it's a great little picture. Yeah, it didn't seem like something that was trying too hard to be tense. It felt like it had a natural like pacing to it that I really liked. And Tom Hanks is a gem, so that's my four-star review.
0: <laughs> His main accent, not so much, but... Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for uh, coming along, watching your movie with us. I loved hearing your guys' insights, your stories. Uh, I can't plug your guys' stuff enough links in the description for literally
3: everything
1: thank you so much we really appreciate it yeah i had the idea that i wanted to do a director's commentary but uh i thought it'd be a lot more fun if we did a collab with you boys at the duel of the takes
0: yeah this was a lot of fun i just uh you guys when it comes to i guess the community we've been a part of you guys are just some of the most talented people I've ever met through the internet, and I'm glad to uh, consider you guys friends. And I'm excited to maybe finally meet you next week, next next week, next year.
2: What? But I mean that 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 really means a lot. And I think I, I can speak for Nick. I say we kind of feel the same way about you guys. You know, you guys, you know, always make us laugh. Um, always, you know, always pumping out awesome stuff. And I, I you know, I I appreciate having you guys
1: around. You don't have to fricking speak for me. I'm right here but ditto
0: <laughs> guys in an alternate universe nate went to ball state instead of full sale i did apply That was like my third choice school i would have been uh that oh, would have been dude.
1: landon almost went to full sale all right we're gonna end it then
3: that- <laughs> <laughs> we can't talk about that school <laughs> don't talk about it
1: but yeah thank you guys so much we really appreciate it
3: hell yeah